I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Dirk with the back. What up, what up? You are locked on Dallas Mavericks. My name is Isaac. I'm a contributor to Mavs.com, and I am one of your hosts here at Locked On Mavs, a daily podcast on the Mavericks. I am not joined by Nick Angstead today, uh, a co-host, as he is still on vacation. Nick uh, works for the Free Dawkins YouTube channel uh, and is an awesome uh, guy in media and uh, awesome co-host of this podcast, but uh, he is still gone on vacation uh, with his fam, and uh, he comes back. Actually, one of the questions submitted uh, to for this podcast, uh, the, shout out to everybody who submitted a question. Uh, I literally spent uh, like 20 minutes going through DMs and Twitter replies and everything, form forming a list of all of these questions. Uh, I want to try to get to a decent amount today, probably uh, another day this week. Uh, but one of the questions in all of this this bag of questions was, when does Nick come back? And uh, I started laughing. I actually forgot the exact day, so uh, I got to text him here in a second. I actually asked the exact day, but I think it's sometime in the middle of this week. So uh, you shouldn't get too much longer without Nick. I know you guys love Nick. I love Nick, but he'll be back pretty soon. Um, I'm actually in a, uh, in a physical sense, I'm back home. I'm back in, um, my home in Dallas as I've been gone also, uh, for the past week, but you probably wouldn't know that because I had some pods ready, uh, for you guys last week. We obviously took off on Friday. Uh, thanks for the, uh, not as many hate, uh, tweets or anything about not having a pod on Friday. Appreciate that. But, uh, if you haven't listened to, the pods from last week, which a lot of y'all listened to uh, the Tim Cato interview and the Dimes interview. Uh, Dimes, uh, the main guy from Mavs Gaming, the NBA 2K League uh, team for the Mavs. Uh, he was on last week talking about their team, their incredible season. And then on Wednesday and Thursday of last week, we had Tim Cato from The Athletic and uh, got a lot of positive feedback. I, I didn't have my phone much over the past five days. I've been on a uh, a church uh, camp thing that I, uh, I work at every year, and so I haven't had my phone, but when I did check my phone, I seen all of this uh, uh, love for the Tim K- Tim Cato conversation, so I really appreciate that. Tim's awesome, and uh, just thanks, and a shout out to Tim for all the insight that he gave on uh, the Mavs offseason over the past month or so. Uh, so yeah, go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to that yet. Um, a few housekeeping notes on Mavs roster stuff before I actually get to some of your questions. Actually, no, scratch that. I have to tell one story. One thing that happened over the past five days at this camp I was at because it just it rocked my world, okay? And it shook me, and I didn't know how to respond. So I was speaking at this event, and uh, there's... About I don't know two two hundred and fifty middle school high schoolers uh, in the crowd, and I was giving this. Uh, I was telling a story, and I was uh, talking about my childhood and video games and how much I like video games as a as a as a kid growing up. And I brought out the question, and I'd mentioned 
Nintendo 64. And I kind of just brushed past it at first, but then I was like, no, well, let me just ask, because I feel like they're still, they're kind of like, I, I know that, I mean, we obviously have Xbox, Xbox and PlayStation, all this stuff now, Switch, and, but I'm like, I, I feel like it's still kind of vintage, it's still kind of like in, it has like the retro vibe a little bit, which is even weird saying it's retro, but, so I asked the crowd, I said, okay, actually, how many of you have never heard of a Nintendo 64, and guys... It broke my heart. I mean, probably 75% of the crowd, I mean, hands just went straight up. I mean, they just shot up, and I was shook. Like, you don't know what Nintendo 64 is, and somebody, like, a one kid shout out, I was like, hey, is that the, is that the, like, rectangle or the square games they have to blow on? And before you put, I'm like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. But uh, anyway, so it just rocked my world. I just contemplated just ending the whole camp and just leaving at that point uh, because if you are listening to this podcast and you have never heard of Nintendo 64, please find someone in your life to introduce you to a Nintendo 64. Uh, it is, uh, for me, it's the greatest gaming console. Uh, obviously, it's it doesn't have the graphics and all the stuff of Xbox. I love my Xbox One now. But uh, anyway... Enough of video game stuff. Some housekeeping stuff for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, so over the past, you know, four, I guess, four days, um, a few roster, little roster moves here and there for for Dallas. It was a uh, it was a, a heartwarming feeling when it was like I checked my phone at like one thirty in the morning or whenever it was, and I I checked my emails and I had an email in of saying. The Dallas Mavericks have signed Antonius Cleveland to a, a two-way contract. I was super hyped. You guys know I have hyped up Antonius Cleveland on this podcast. Uh, as soon as he was announced on their Summer League roster, you can go back to our pods. We were very evident, very clear that he was one of these guys that you have to watch this summer. Big believer in him. I love his talent. Dallas loved his talent back when he was on, in training camp for them a few years ago. And he got uh, he he got hurt heading into the season and had to have ankle surgery. Um, there was a few stories written because Dallas is like, "Hey, we're gonna take care of, like we're gonna take care of you. Stay here." Um, even though he didn't like make the final roster, they still was all about his rehab and helping him get back healthy. And I thought that was really cool building a relationship with him. He's actually been on this podcast before, so he's a friend of the pod. Um, but yeah. He, I thought he had a great summer league. I, I felt like he kind of got overlooked towards the end. A lot of Mavs fans were talking uh, about Roby and Josh Reeves, and rightfully so. And he, I guess he kind of was like if you had to put a third or fourth place of a summer league player, he was kind of in that third or fourth spot for some people. And for me, I, I just, yeah, I'm just a big believer in him. And uh, I think he can be a rotational piece uh, one day. So I'm glad. So, that yeah, they signed him to a two-way contract going into camp. I'm super hyped for that. Uh, I just hope he stays healthy come camp time because I think he can get uh, some run this year. I think he'll he'll definitely spend some time in the G League also. But uh, his wing versatility on defense and offense, playing multiple positions, uh, I think that's key for, for Dallas. Um, then they... Kind of a move. So the last time we talked, we talked about Costas, how Dallas waived Costas, one of their two-way guys from last year, because Dallas used their two-way spots last year uh, for just two guys and two guys only. And Costas 
and Daryl Macon. And they waived Kostas last week. He he obviously gets picked up by the Lakers. So then the kind of the spotlight was on Daryl Macon. What what do they do with him? Do they keep him around? Um, do they replace him with Roby or Reeves? Do they, you know, just allow it to be a competition and all of this stuff? So um that was kind of a question with Macon. How what were they gonna do with him roster wise heading into training camp this fall? And and they made their decision. You know, they uh they, they waved Macon over the past few days and um now Macon obviously hits the open market. This two-way spot for Dallas, the second two-way spot, is now uh, wide open again. And Dallas obviously looked at their two-way spots from last year and said, all right, we had Macon and Kosas. Now we're going to hit the reset button on that and bring in two new guys into those two spots. And we've talked about it before, but you have 15 total roster spots, and then you have the two two-way guys that will take your roster to 17. Uh, you can obviously bring 20 people to camp. So you bring those 20 uh, players to camp, and then over at, uh, over time, you obviously cut three of them and have your 15 and then your two two-way spots. But So yeah, Antonis Cleveland has one of those spots now. Now with Macon uh, getting waived, the other spot is open, and the question now is like, who? what do they do with the two-way spot? <clears throat> uh, they're still setting on Josh Reeves, who had a really impressive summer league. What do they do with him? Is he? Do they just bring him to camp? Do they make this a competition for that spot? Uh, Isaiah Roby, uh, the second round pick for Dallas. Uh, what what does his contract look like? Is he going to uh, just come into camp? Is he going to? Because another variable in this is the fifteenth roster spot is still wide open. They have fourteen guarantee guaranteed contracts, uh, so the fifteenth spot is wide open. So uh, theoretically, they could put Isaiah, they could sign Isaiah Roby uh, to his second round uh, rookie contract, put him in that fifteenth official 15th roster spot and then put Josh Reeves into the uh, the two-way spot or they could do it vice versa they could put Isaiah Roby in the two-way spot and put Josh Reeves as an official roster spot uh, or they could leave both open they can bring them both into camp and let them compete for that uh, along with some other players so I feel like the natural uh, re or the natural talking point right now is hey how are they going to uh, split the 15th spot and the the second two-way spot uh, with Roby and Reeves, and and we'll see, we'll see what they what they do with that. Uh, Dallas also signed a guy uh, over the weekend and over the past few days. Uh, they they signed Dakota Mathias uh, from Purdue. I, uh, I hey, admittedly, I don't know a ton about uh, Dakota Mathias. I haven't watched a ton of minutes or games of his. Uh, all I do know about him is that he can shoot the ball and he can play defense. And he was a four-year guy uh, at Purdue. Uh, since I have been gone over the past four or five days, I haven't got a chance to really look into him a ton. But uh, I would assume uh, I haven't talked to any any of my people uh, recently, but I would assume he's just a training camp invite, and uh, he's going to compete for these only spots. He's going to be one of the twenty guys that comes in, and like I've talked about before with Salah Mejri in the past and Sam Dallenbear, that whole situation. Salah Mejri is the example of a guy coming in who is supposed to be quote a training camp invite, but comes into camp and impresses so much that he takes one of these guaranteed contract guys' spots. And so you obviously bring these 20 guys to camp, but if one of these guys like a Dakota Mathias, who is uh, 
supposed to just be, you know, maybe a camp body. We don't know, but he might just be a camp body that just comes in as one of the 20. If he comes in and kills it, man, he could really push one of these guys for one of the guaranteed spots or one of the two-way spots. So, yeah, uh, one thing I didn't notice or I didn't know about him, well, he was undrafted two years ago in the 2018 draft, played in Spain, uh, but then he was a two-time all-defensive team in the Big Ten at Purdue. So uh, the dude can play defense, and he can shoot the lights out from three. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what he brings uh, to camp this fall. Uh, let's take a real quick break, and then I'll get into some of your questions. Obviously, some of these are quicker answers on some things, uh, but some of them uh, I might go into a little bit more. But let's just uh, let's start going down the list. First question. What kind of player should we consider for the 15th roster spot? Should it be a big? Should it be a wing? Should it be a vet? Or maybe a young guy? Um, Tim Cato was on the pod last week, like I mentioned earlier, from The Athletic. And uh, he gave his opinion on that 15th spot. He thinks it should be a big. Uh, because when you look at, and I really liked uh, his insight into the Christoph Porzingis um, injury plan for this kind of the, the whole injury plan quote load management plan that's the terms we have to use nowadays um but he mentioned that you know if if Porzingis mi- misses let's just say like 15 to 20 games and it, and it's just part of that plan uh, when Porzingis sits who is the big guys on the roster you obviously have Dwight Powell is probably at this point going to start alongside Porzingis and then you have Maxi Kleba uh, coming off the bench um, and yeah, I mean, you don't have Salah signed. So, I mean, uh, you have Bobon who, uh, in, in some people's minds were, you know, replaced Salah's role in that. And then you have, you know, these smaller fours and Finney Smith and Justin Jackson and, you know, Isaiah Roby get some run. And so how would they, how are they going to replace the Christoph Porzingis minutes is kind of interesting if they don't go the big route with the 15th spot, if they go the guard route. So let's say they do go the Josh Reeves route for the 15th spot. And then you're looking at it and you're like, man, they don't have a ton of depth, uh, uh, you know, up front. When you go back over the past couple of years, and you're like, I mean, Nick, when they threw out all of these seven footers, Nick came up with the uh, the funny lineup line of the draft gaff lineup, in which they're all these like massive six ten to seven footers on the court at the same time for the Mavs because uh, Rick Carl just throwing people out there is uh, really funny, but. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of with Dirk, you know, no longer in the picture. It's not it's not very fun to say. And Salah on the roster, you know, if Porzingis sets, you know, what does that look like? So yeah, will they just replace the men's with Bobai? So yeah, going back to the question, what should they do with the 15th spot? I agree with Tim. I think it should be a big. I think that uh, I think they need a little bit more depth up front, uh, mainly because uh two things. You have Bobon, who is not going to be a four. Um, I mean, I guess he could be a one, but no. But Bobon is just is a five and a five only. Obviously, uh, Dwight Powell, he should just be a five. We he improved as a five. I don't. I don't 
really like Dwight Powell as a four. So if we consider Powell a five and Boban a five, who is your fours at that point? If you're looking at, then you have Maxi, and then you go the small ball route in the Finney Smith and Justin Jackson. Um, would you consider even Luca at that point? So like, that's the, I would go the big route, especially because mainly because the Porzingis, you know, injury load management plan. If that Porzingis load management plan was not in place and it wasn't even in a thought or an idea, then I would probably I would always lean lean the wing route because I've I've been a broken record on this. You can never have enough six six to six nine six ten guys on your roster. That's just where we're at in the league. You need as many of them as you can. So uh, yeah. What should they do with the 15th spot? I think they should go big. Whether they go vet or young guy, I don't really care, to be honest. Um, yeah, I honestly just don't care. I would prefer if we could say, let's just say this, if it could be a big that, and now we're just being picky at this point, that could play the four and possibly a small ball five spot, I think that would be fun too. Uh, because I I always wanted Maxi to get more looks at the five. To where if Porzingis does set out, could Maxi get some uh, minutes at the five? I always wanted to see that, uh, but they Dallas is pretty clear on the roles that they have for their spots, and I think that's why you're going to see Porzingis start at the quote four, and while you know Dwight Powell would start at your air quote five, and. I think Maxi would would slide right alongside or right behind Porzingis in that rotation as the four spot because they want the four to be able to stretch the floor and all this pick and pop and all this different stuff. So and the five to be the rim roller like we've talked about before. But so yeah, uh, big winger vet. I mean, uh, winger vet, vet or young guy. I don't really care at this point. Probably okay. Yeah, I don't really care. Question number two. Is Courtney Lee going to figure into the rotation, and will we just keep him on the roster for basically a trade piece? Uh, Will he factor into the rotation? I would uh, lean heavily no, that he won't. Uh, I think at this point he is a a cap number. It's, It's nothing against him. I really like Courtney Lee as a guy, and uh, he's great. I he went to college at uh, Western Kentucky University in in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, which is uh, pretty close to my hometown. So as soon as he got traded or he came over from the Porzingis deal, uh, I spent some time on his locker talking about uh, the great state of Kentucky and uh, all these towns uh, that we that we would know that nobody else knows. And it was uh, just really weird and uh, um, cool for me to sit here and talk to an NBA player about these small towns that I know and, and I knew growing up. And uh, this guy knows in an NBA locker room uh, on the NBA court. So, But anyway, he's a great guy. And I love Courtney Lee in the locker room. And uh, but, you know, he's sitting at the $12 million mark. You know, we have talked about, everybody's talked about this, this contract a ton of what will Dallas do with it? Will they keep it? It's an expiring contract at that $12 million. Will they use it to package it into a, a bigger deal? Will they, you know, will they stretch wave it? And then you would open up $8 million in cap space. Uh, but then it would be a cap hit of $4 million over the next three years. Dallas, at this point, Dallas doesn't need to do that. They don't want to do that because, 
you know, they were willing to do that if you're going to get a Kimba or uh, you're going to get a Tobias Harris or somebody else big at that like 30 million mark. I, they were willing to do it at that point because then you're eating the 4 million in cap space for the next three years on your books, but you're eating it while you're being a, you know, somewhat of a contender in the playoffs. So at this point, you know, Dallas is fighting for one of those last playoff spots, but it, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a lock at this point. So they're still filling out their roster. They're still figuring out the pieces around Luka and KP. And you want all the flexibility that you can right now. And that $12 million expiring contract is huge. It's huge for trade purposes. When you know trade calls start happening, when December 15th hits, which is the date in which new free agents that just signed this summer, uh, when they just signed this summer, then all of those new free agents can be traded uh, after December 15th. That's why a lot of people have speculated why we haven't seen a Chris Paul trade of OKC looking at it and saying, hey, like there might be some deals on the table, but some of these teams are wanting picks in return for taking on Chris Paul's contract. And hey, they might not want to do that right now because they're going to step back and say, hey, let's throw out Chris Paul for the first couple of months of the season. Let's hopefully they play, you know, hopefully he plays good ups his value just a little bit to where and maybe a team maybe a a contending team is struggling some maybe a team like Milwaukee starts off and they're kind of in a funk and they're not playing very well and they do a panic trade and say hey we want to make sure Giannis is going to be happy or whatever and they trade for Chris Paul or something like that that's probably what they're banking on or it's something like the Lakers or something like the Knicks some of these big market teams like Lakers and Knicks they can't make any trades until after December 15th, because most of the roster is filled right now by current free agents. I threw the Lakers out there. I'm not for sure that they could actually even pull that off with the contracts they have. I don't know. Anyway, I don't even have their cap sheet in front of me. But the Knicks definitely could, because the Knicks have um, amazing contracts. But anyway, so the December 15th mark is huge. And the Courtney Lee contract, holding on to that and holding on to uh, him on the roster, one, he's a vet. You can never have enough vets on your team. And having Courtney Lee as this vet off the bench, he's he's honestly probably going to be you know, this year's version of Devin Harris. And... um one of, well, I just skipped it. One one of the questions that was submitted was was will Devin Devin Harris be on this roster next year? And and I, I just don't I don't believe so. And it's unfortunate from a personal standpoint because I love Devin Harris as a guy. He's one of the best guys to cover and um, just to be around in the locker room. And this organ everybody in the organization loves him. Uh, when he got traded last year, and they traded him at the deadline for Doug McDermott in that trade. Um, which is really weird in hindsight because they traded Devin for McDermott. McDermott plays out the season, then leaves in free agency, and then Devin comes back. So that was just weird. But him coming, uh, him coming, you know, coming back. I, I just I don't see it right now with how this roster is shaking out. And uh, even though I've been a proponent of saying, "Hey, we need we need another vet in the locker room," uh, it's just where we stand at at the 14th spot. I don't think they want to hand the 15th spot to Devin. Now, I could be completely wrong. At the time you listen to this, there could be a press release saying Dallas has signed Devin Harris to like a minimum deal, and then I'm just looking stupid at this point. So um, I would still be happy because Devin's awesome and he's a great guy to be around. But um, 
I would I would assume no. The uh, follow up question to the Devin Harris question that one of you guys submitted was, you know, could he be an assistant coach, or you could see him being assistant? Absolutely. Uh, he joked last year at last last year's exit interview. I remember him joking saying he got more calls last summer uh, to be a coach than he did to be a player. And uh, I know a lot of people got a kick out of that, and that was really funny. And so I I think the offers will be there for him to coach because he is a very well respected uh, vet and player around the league. So uh, I wish him the best. Whatever the next move is for him, I don't know, but. Yes, Courtney Lee uh, will be on this roster, and to my opinion, I think you have to keep him around for the contract. And uh, will he factor into the rotation? I don't believe so, uh, because other guys in that backcourt, Jalen Brunson, Seth Curry, DeLon Wright, uh, any of those guys, uh, J.J. Barea, when he's back, I expect all of them uh, to be getting the bulk of those minutes off the bench. Um, Next question. Will we ever get the full story on the Kelly Olenek trade? Uh, I'm just going to reference back to the Tim Cato pod from last week at this point. Um, I asked him about it. He was reporting on that uh, situation all through um, that evening when it was all going down. Uh, It was just a really strange and weird situation. I don't think it's going away just yet. I think the Mavs probably want it to go away. I think uh, the Heat probably want it to go away. Uh, but it was just unfortunate how it played out in the media. But I don't think it's it's not going to go away until media day because the next time Donnie Nelson addresses the media, he's going to get asked about it. And him or Rick Carlisle and Mark Cuban, they're going to be asked about that whole situation. So I'm curious on how they answer that and where the miscommunication was and everything with that situation. That's going to be key. And I'm really uh, curious on how they, uh, how they portray that and how they explain that. But anyway, in the meantime, just go to my conversation with Tim. We talked about it for a bit. He admitted, you know, where he didn't know how some things happened. He gave some more insight to that situation. That's the best that I can do to explain that situation. Uh, Next question. Who has the highest ceiling? Dorian Finney-Smith, Isaiah Roby, Justin Jackson, or Josh Reeves? And second follow-up question to that is, which one will make the biggest difference this year? Um, I'll just kind of go in reverse. Reeves and Roby are really, uh, especially Roby. Isaiah Roby is super raw, and he's definitely got a lot of time. Whether he is, yeah, he he definitely probably needs some run in the G League too. Now he, uh, the question is high ceiling, and that's that's the hard part of this question, because um, I think it's hard to project his ceiling because he's he's so young, but he is he's he has this kind of like untapped potential for his size at being the six nine guy and his energy and defensive versatility, and he can put the ball on the floor and like different stuff. So uh, I'm curious to see the player that he kind of uh, molds into, but. Uh, I think really this conversation comes down to, or this question comes down to Finney Smith and Justin Jackson. And uh, I'm going to lean Justin Jackson on the highest ceiling and who will make the biggest difference this year. Uh, I really like Justin Jackson. I'm a believer in a shot. Uh, I think he's going to get ample run this year um, for this team. I think uh, Dallas really likes him. I think he's going to get a shot at becoming that fifth starter. It wouldn't shock me if he is that fifth starter on opening uh, on opening night. Um, 
yeah, I think he will have the biggest uh, difference this year for the Mavs. And uh, I think he has a higher ceiling than Finney Smith, uh, mainly because his shot. Uh, Finney Smith's shot got better at the beginning of last year, but then it tailed off towards the end of uh, towards the end of last year. And that's kind of always been his thing: of will Dorian Finney Smith ever have a knockdown three point shot? And it's been kind of a conversation over the past you know handful of off seasons of you know will that be there? Oh, he switched his shot, he changed up his shot, different motion now. Um, is it going to be more consistent? All this stuff. But he's the better defender. Uh, he's a better defender than Jackson, and he's your guy who you want guarding some of these guys. So uh, it's kind of two. I think obviously it's offense Justin Jackson, defense Vinny Smith. But I would give the slight edge overall player and biggest difference to Justin Jackson this year. Um, this question, next question, uh, most improved Mav from last year. So, uh, this person who submitted this question said, you know, this player has to, uh, had to have been on the team, uh, last year and who's going to be the most improved. I'm just going to build off that. And I'm going to say Justin Jackson, uh, because, it's kind of harder when you look at the roster and say who's going to be the most improved because you obviously have Porzingis and Luka. Then you have Tim Hardaway Jr. And I feel like a lot of people just like Tim Hardaway is who he is at this point. You know, he's been in the league for a while. Um, He's kind of, you know, it's just who he is. Now, if he does take a huge step forward, that would be amazing. Um, But then you're going to like Dwight Powell just took his huge step last year uh, and he's great at what he does. Uh, so as far as most improved, I feel like he's just going to continue down the path that he's on right now, which is great. DeLon Wright wasn't on the roster. Um, Maxi is definitely a candidate for this question. Finney Smith is definitely one. Um, then you look at like Jalen Brunson, Ryan Brokoff. Um, yeah, I just lean Justin Jackson. Uh, just because I think this is going to be a good year for him. I think he's going to get uh, minutes. I think he's going to get minutes with uh, the first team. I think uh, he's just going to improve this year. And, yeah, am I biased because of that? Or uh, am I biased with my answer? Possibly. I mean, I mean, he did play. I mean, he played at a great college. So um, he might have played at North Carolina. So that might be factoring. No, but it, take that outside. Like, I think he is... Uh, I think he's definitely going to prove, and I think he'll have a, a good year for the Mavericks this year. Uh, let's get to one or two more uh, of the questions, and then I'll have to go. What would surprise you the most? Oh, man. Making the playoffs or not making the playoffs? This question sucks. Uh, sucks because it's so hard to answer. It's a good question. It's actually a great question. What would surprise me the most? Well, okay, first off, neither one of them would would surprise me. So let's just start with that. I wouldn't be shocked with either one of these outcomes. If they barely missed the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. If they snuck into the playoffs as the eighth seed, I wouldn't be shocked. If they made the seventh seed, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, if they um, if they were thirteenth to fifteenth in the West, I would be shocked. Um, so I think they're. I think they hover anywhere around the seven to ten mark in the in the West, and so like either one of the outcomes, I'm not super shocked by. So the question is, what would you be more shocked about? Uh, I'm just, and this is not. I am a complete optimist, 
uh, on a lot of things. And this isn't a knock on Dallas at all, but I think if I had to pick one, even though I wouldn't be shocked, if I had to pick one, I would say making it just because the West is so tough. And just because there's so there's so many good teams in the West that I think Dallas is right there with. Um, but yes, right now Dallas is projected by Vegas and other uh, metric stuff to miss the playoffs. Uh, so I think that's kind of the expectation for a lot of uh, NBA fans and even Mavs fans. So I'll just lean into that and say, hey, if they make it, I'll be shocked and super excited. But even uh, I wouldn't even be that shocked if they make it because I think they have a, a good shot at making it too. So I know it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I don't think it's shocking either way if they make or miss. I think they're right there, and uh, there's a lot of potential if everything hits and Porzingis is, is healthy and plays like we think he's going to play, then I think there's a good chance that they make the playoffs next year. Uh, guys, I have a ton of more questions. Um, I'll probably save some of these for Nick. Uh, might do another pod answering a, a decent amount of these questions, uh, but I have to watch the time limit uh, for this podcast. But thanks so much for submitting all these questions. I'll get to more of them uh, coming up soon. Until then, peace out. Boom. <laughs>